Turn in your Bible to John 14 and John 21, or John 20, actually. John 14 and John 20. We're going to start in John 20, but hold your place in, in, in John 14 because we're going to come back there and we're going to spend the majority of our time there. But as you know, uh, the, the Gospels record the resurrection of Jesus Christ, uh, the greatest event in the history of humanity, both past, present, and future. How many of you know if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're all just playing games here this morning? I said, how many of you know if Jesus didn't really rise from the dead? We're just playing some kind of religious game. I'd rather be fishing for fish than fishing for men if Jesus didn't rise from the dead. But I'm telling you today, and I've read it not only in Scripture, but but when when historians, people of understanding, people who are smarter than my than than, than my capacity, they study this, and, and historians have come to the reality that Jesus really did live, that he really did die, and according to study, he really did rise from the dead. And somebody say amen. And so the resurrection, the most important historical event in the history uh, of all humanity. I'm going to read the in-depth uh, John uh, passage here today. And so you can follow along. And let's just let's just get ourselves there. Let's picture ourselves there. In fact, let me ask, how many of you have actually been to what many regard as the actual tomb of the Lord Jesus Christ? I'm telling you, ooh, I'd like, it makes me want to go back. There's some things about this garden tomb that I've visited. My wife, others have visited. Jeremy, where are you? He's with a, he, he went with us and others uh, that just let me kind of be, just believe that it's the actual place where Jesus rose from the dead. And you can't say it for sure, but I'm telling you, I, I just feel uh, a knowing in my heart that uh, though that may not be the place, I do know Jesus rose from the dead. Here we go. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went for the t- to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. One translation says mega stone. That's the Greek. Everyone say mega. A big stone. How many of you know big stones still roll? Amen. You got some mega issues, God can roll them away. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple. By the way, that's John. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. Everyone stop and look up. You get the picture. Peter and John running together towards the tomb. Anybody know who the faster disciple was? We'll find out. And the other disciple, here it is, that's John, outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him, and he went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, uh, lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying, uh, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. I love that. Jesus rose from the dead, and he folded his little handkerchief up and and set it aside. Uh, and then uh, it says this. Then the other disciple. He came into the tomb first. Who, who came, then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw 
and believed. Everyone say, he believed. For as yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Now, he had been telling them this, but they didn't get it. They couldn't understand it. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, in white sitting, one on, uh, at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord. And I do not know where they have laid him. And when they had said, and when they had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? She supposing him to be the gardener. It was a case of mistaken identity. She said to him, sir, if where, if where you have laid him, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which is to say teacher. And that means her eyes were open. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father and, and to my God and your God. Mary, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord, that he had spoken these things to her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the door was shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Everyone say, for fear of the Jews. They were assembled for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood in the midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, peace to you as the father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins uh, of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Now Thomas called the twin, one of the 12, was not with them when Jesus came. Man, I wonder what he was up to. Just think about it. I miss this. Thomas called the twin. One of the 12 was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said to him, we have seen the Lord. So he said to them, unless I see his hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and put my hand into the side, I will not believe. He just couldn't get a grip on it. And eight days went by. And after eight days, his disciples were again inside and Thomas with them. Jesus came, the doors being shut. Now get the picture. He didn't knock on the door. The door was shut. The resurrected Christ manifests himself there in the room. And he said to Thomas, oh, and then he said this again. Uh, he said, peace to you. Then he said to Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands and reach your hand here and put it in my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. Everyone say that. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. That's key here. And Thomas said and answered, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Thomas, Thomas, because you have seen me, you have believed. Here's what I shared just a moment ago. 
Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Father, we thank you today. As we already have, we would do once again that you have risen from the dead. And Lord, let us be among those who even though we haven't seen, we believe and we trust in and rely upon you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Now, this morning, I want to just quickly walk through some things with you, and we're going to go to John 14 in just a moment. But I want you to get the picture of what really was going on when the resurrected Christ walked back into the disciples' life. They were in fear of the Jews. In fact, they had been afraid all week long because Jesus was talking weird stuff things that they didn't want to hear and things that they didn't understand. And we'll see more about that in John 14. But uh, they were fearful of the Jews. They, Jesus had risen from the dead, but they hadn't embraced it and understood it and believed it at that point. Uh, and so they were gathered together in fear. And here's what I want you to see today and what we want to just embrace today. Jesus, the resurrected Christ, walked into their life and began to speak peace to them. And he, and his goal always has been to transform their fear into faith. Everyone say from fear to faith. You see, fear is a lack of faith. Fear is the absence of faith. And we see these disciples just like us, even though they'd walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus. Now they saw him crucified and he died a terrible death and, and their dreams and their hopes had been dashed. And they were fearful of retaliation from the Jews. They were afraid that they may too end up on a cross. They were living in fear and the resurrected Christ walked into their life in the middle of their fear and he said, peace be with you. And this morning, I want you to understand that the resurrection of Christ, it'll transform your life. It'll change the way you live your life. It'll change not only the way, <coughs> pardon me, you live your life, <coughs> but the way you end your life. The way you, you go to heaven, you, you have a confidence and a peace. Paul said, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That was his aim all along. In fact, if you studied the, the, the last week of Christ, we, last week we talked about the second day, uh, that after Jesus came into, uh, Jerusalem riding on a, okay, y'all are with me, and they threw down yeah, you're there. And they, and they all shouted. There you go. You remember. And the next day he gets up and he curses a fig tree. I'm thinking, what the, I mean, here, what's the deal, Jesus? You just went to find fruit and you cursed the fig tree. The whole purpose of it was to teach the disciples that they had to have faith. In fact, he said, have faith in God. Everyone say, have faith in God. You need to understand something about your life and about a, as a believer. It all hinges and rotates, if you will, and revolves around the gift that we've been given. And that, that is the gift of faith. The Bible says God has allotted unto every man a measure of faith. The Bible says for by grace you are saved through faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, lest any man should boast. And what Jesus was endeavoring to do because he knew his time on earth was short was to build within these disciples, this ragtag group of fishermen and tax collectors and, and, and a hodgepodge of humanity kind of looks like the church today, doesn't it? Uh, he wanted them to understand and know that, Hey, when you have question marks in life, you have to have faith. 
And you have to trust God. And that's what the Christianity is all about. In fact, if you're in John 14, they were getting really nervous. There was fear because Jesus was talking about leaving them. In fact, if you look in John 13, right above John 14, John 13, 33, little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews where I'm going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, and then he tells them to love one another. And, and, and just and basically he says, I'm not going to be here. So you got to love one another. You got to support one another. And, and man, they were getting nervous. How many of you know when people get nervous, they start asking a lot of questions? They started asking all kinds of questions. And here's what, uh, here's one right here. John 13, 36. Uh, Lord, where are you going? John 13, 37. Lord, why can I not follow you now? Man, they are getting nervous. And Jesus says this in John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Everyone say, believe in God. Now, what, what, was, what did he affirm to them after he rose again? You got to keep believing in God. But here he is before his death, burial, just hours, days, if you will, before his death, burial, and resurrection, he's teaching them that you've got to expand and, and strengthen your faith. Let not your heart be troubled. You can't live in fear here, he's saying. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And I go and prepare a place for you. I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Now Thomas here, he, here's doubting Thomas. He says, Lord, here's another question. He still doesn't get it. Lord, we do not know where you're going. And how can we know the way? You know what they were feeling? They were feeling lost. We don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. And Jesus said this, I am, oh, I love this. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know what he was teaching? When you got question marks, how many of you, even when you think about the resurrection, you get question marks. You go, man, how did that happen? How did this really happen? Are you sure that happened? Anybody ever had any question marks in life? Do you look at your future and you go, oh man, it's just one big question mark, one big fear in your life. Oh, oh, what am I going to do? Where am I going to do? And fear seems to take over our life. Jesus was wanting his disciples to know in those times is where you have to trust me. And he purposefully, listen to this, he purposefully placed them at a place where they had to choose to trust him. Have you ever been there? Ask your neighbor, have you ever been there before? Where you have to choose to trust him. When, when the question marks are just whirling around your head and the, and the, and the, the fear and the doubts are whirling. When you kind of have a Thomas kind of mindset where you just say, I just don't know if I can get, wrap my head around this. You just have to come to a place where am I going to trust him or am I not going to trust him? Am I going to believe him or am I not going to believe him? 
And this John 14, 1 makes me believe that Jesus had enough understanding of what each and every one of us have within us that as believers, as followers, in those times, we can make some choices and just say, you know what, he, he, I'm not going to let this thing get a grip on me. How many of you know fear and doubt gets a grip on us when we open the door to it? But also when we open our hearts and say, I'm just going to choose to trust God. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to stand on his word. I'm going to take, I'm going to take him at his word. And even though I have question marks and, and I have fears and doubts, I bring them to him and I'm going to trust him through the process. Amen. And that's where all of us must come to in our life. In fact, in this John 14 passage, I see four things where all of us, where Jesus was teaching his disciples in this question mark moment, some things that all of us must choose to trust. And here they are. I want to give you these four things. The first one is you got to trust in the person. He said, if you believe in God, believe also in me. Let me tell you, we've got to put our, our trust in him and not only what he says, but what he has done. We've got to trust that he died for our sins, that he was buried in a borrowed tomb and that he rose again the third day. He said, hey, you believe in God. You got to believe also in me. You got to put your trust in me. And that's what the scripture is so filled with. Acts 16, 31, Paul and Silas in prison. You remember the story and the, the first jailhouse rock and man, the jailers and all the prisoners were overwhelmed by the supernatural deliverance and power and manifestation of God when the, when the prison doors were open. And Paul says this, believe, come on, somebody say believe, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You got to believe in the person and what he did for you. And the, the passage that we'll end with today, Romans 10, 9 and 10, 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth, the Lord, what? Jesus. Everybody say the Lord Jesus. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe, have faith in your heart that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. Listen, if you want to be able to erase some question marks or at the very least have peace in the middle of a question mark, you got to put your trust in the person of Jesus Christ. In fact, that's what he said. I'm, I am the way, the truth, and the life. you got to trust the person of Jesus Christ. There's no other way where men can be saved other than through him. Number two, you got to trust in the place that he says he's preparing. You got to trust the person and you got to trust in the place. What's the place? He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. In my father's house are many mansions. It wasn't too long ago. A movie came out. Heaven is for real. Everybody say heaven is for real. I'm telling you, the Bible is very clear. There is a heaven, there is a hell, and that, that at the judgment seat of Christ, if we've lived our life according to the mercy and the grace of God and put our trust in the person of Jesus Christ, we will go right into the presence of the Lord. The Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. In fact, that's why Paul said this, I would rather be in heaven because I know to be absent from this body is to be 
present with the Lord. What did Jesus tell the thief on the cross? He said, come on, somebody say that word. Today. Somebody say today. He knew he was going to, today you will be with me where? In paradise. Listen, when you die, you do not die. As a believer, you just trans, uh, in fact, remember what, I can't quote Billy Graham uh, to the, because he just, he went to heaven not too long ago. He said, one day you will hear of my death. Don't believe a word of it because I'll be alive and well. I've just changed location." And so what Jesus was trying to get his disciples to understand was that earth, life on planet earth is very temporary. In fact, I've said this a hundred times. This may be 101, that you're, the time you live on planet earth, listen, it's just a speck. It's the shortest amount of time you'll ever live anywhere is planet earth. I'm 62, right, Beverly? Am I 62? Almost 62. See, I don't want to hurry this thing. Man, I'm feeling old. I'm feeling older. But I've got guys, Larry Myers, our missionary in Mexico. He's over 80, man. He's still going strong. He inspires me. I'm going to keep on keeping on. I'm, in fact, we met Brother uh, Vaughn at the restaurant last night. Brother Richard Vaughn, he, we just got to talking. He said, you know, I'm over 80 now. And I said, ooh, you're a spry 80. I want to be like you when I grow up. But understand, all of us will, one day we will leave this planet either by in death or by the rapture and the return of Jesus Christ. And we've got to understand something, that there is a heaven, there is a place. The Bible says in Revelation, where there's no more tears, there's no more sorrow, and the former things are passed away, where we'll be with Christ for all eternity. He said, I'm going to go prepare that place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also we got to put our trust in the person we got to put our trust in the place that he's prepared for us we got to put our trust number three in the promises that he has promised us how many of you know God doesn't break a promise he doesn't break his promises and quickly this morning let me give you four that I see in this passage of scripture number one the promise of his peace He said this, let not your heart be troubled. What was he saying? You can have peace right here if you choose to. And by the way, what did Jesus say three times when he walked into their the resurrected Christ, walked into the midst of his disciples in the middle of their fear? What did he say to them? Somebody say it out loud. Get a little louder for me. He said, peace. He said, I'm speaking peace over your life. Look around, tell three or four people just say, peace to you, my friend. Speak it. Peace. In fact, if you want to get real spiritual, say shalom. 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 It means peace. He's the prince of peace. And he promised us the peace of God, the Bible says, which passes all understanding. Not only the promise, you've got to trust his promises that he's going to give us peace. But number two, the promise of his return. You see, the disciples were nervous that Jesus was leaving them and he promised them he was coming back and they didn't understand it. He didn't know in three days, they didn't know in three days later he would be back. I'm back. April fools, I'm not dead. Y'all want to push the pause button a second? Everybody push the pause button. The Bible says, and I think in Psalm 14 and maybe 43, the first verse, it says, the fool has said in his heart, no, God. 
I hope there's no foolishness in here today where you just hear the message and say, no, God. Okay, back to the message. He promised us his peace. He promises his return. In fact, did you know we have the promise that he's coming back to, to, to planet earth for us? In fact, we sang about it just a few moments ago about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he would come again. And if you remember, if you fast forward past the, this John 21, when Jesus in Acts chapter 1 had met with his disciples for a 40-day seminar on how to live a, a, a healthy and prosperous and victorious Christian life and how to fulfill the Great Commission, in Acts chapter 1, he is then ascended to heaven and they're all sitting there like Gomer Pyle. Some of you don't even know who he is. They were sitting there like Gomer Pyle. Everybody give me their Gomer, your best Gomer Pyle look. Look into heaven. Come on, everybody. Gomer Pyle. And, and Go, what would Gomer Pyle say if he was there that day? He would go, Shazam, golly. And probably those two same angels that Mary ran into just a, you know, a couple of months ago there in the tomb when they, uh, then they said to him, he's not here. Uh, and they came and they said, hey, hey, why are you, why are you gazing up into heaven like this same Jesus who you saw ascend will come again and right here before us. Now be busy about the father's business. He's coming again. Somebody say amen got to trust the promise of his peace and of his return. And then he promised his spirit to them. If we fast forward into John 14, when he's still helping them get a grip on what is about to happen, he says this in verse 16. He says, he says, I will pray the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and I will be with you and will be with you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Jesus promised them his spirit in his absence. In fact, if you, if you, in mind, turn the page, verse 25, he says, these things I've spoken to you that while being present with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I have said to you. Peace, there it is again, I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What's he saying? Man, I promise you peace. I promise you I'm coming back. I promise you I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit and he's going to help you. Somebody say amen. And then the promise of his power, which is coupled with this outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But look in verse 12 of John 14. He said this, catch the phrasing, John, John uh, chapter 14, verse 12. He says this, most assuredly. I love it when Jesus said most assuredly. He's not rock, paper, scissoring right here. He got it down. He knows what's going to happen. Most assuredly, I say to you that who, what, believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and even greater works than these will he do because I go to the Father. He's talking about the power of God. And if you fast forward to Acts 1 that we were talking about, he said this before he left planet Earth. He said, go into Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. For when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will receive what? Goosebumps. You will receive what? Bread and wine? No. You will receive power. Somebody say power. 
supernatural power. It's the promise of power that Jesus was giving to his disciples in the middle of the question mark of their life. He said, let me just make you a promise here today. Assuredly, I say to you, you'll have power if you just believe me. You have my spirit. I'm coming again. You don't have to worry about me leaving you. I'll send the Holy Spirit and then I will come again and you can just walk in the peace of God. You can trust in that. You can rely upon that. And if I promised it, I'll never break a promise. We've got to trust in the promises. We've got the person. Jesus was teaching them in the question marks of life, in the middle of the fears and the doubts of their life, that you've got to trust the person. You've got to trust in the place that he said he's preparing for you, that heaven is real. You've got to trust his promises. And number four, equally as important, you've got to trust in the path that you and I must take. There's only one way to get to heaven. There's only one way to come to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. He says this in verse 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one, everybody say no one. I don't care how good you've been. If you don't go through Jesus, you can't get to heaven. You can't be good enough to get to God. He said, no one comes to the Father. Let me just say, hey, no religious leader, no pope, no potentate, uh, no preacher, uh, no evangelist, no politician. There is no one that can get to God other than through Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth. This is the pathway. This is the pathway. You know, Christianity takes a big hit because we think we're intolerant of other, other religions because so we say Jesus is the only way and we're, we're sliding other, no, we're not sliding other religions. We're just quoting what Jesus said and reading the red. You can't get, this is the pathway to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. He said, no one comes to the Father except through me. Through what Jesus did on Calvary's cross. Where he paid for our sins with his blood. You see, you don't have the capacity to redeem yourself. We're all, we're all, the Bible says, a man almost all miserable without Christ. We have no capacity to redeem ourselves, but we trust in the path of what Jesus did for us on the, on Calvary's cross. He died for our sins, was buried in a borrowed tomb, and three days later, he rose again. And Romans 6 says, so we too could have newness of life, be forgiven and clean, and on our way to heaven from Beaumont, Texas today. The pathway is Jesus. In fact, Jesus in John 10, he said this about himself. He, he gave an illustration about sheep and the sheepfold and the door and the gate. He said, I am the door. No one gets in unless they go through me. <clears throat> He's the only way to come back into right relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why Paul said, as I quoted a few moments ago, in Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, or Jesus as Lord, that means leader of your life. Let me stop and just ask you today. Let's be honest. It's Easter. We can't be fudging around here and lying to ourselves. Who's in charge of your life? 
Who's in charge of your life? Well, I'm in charge. Ain't nobody in charge of my life. If Jesus is not Lord of your life, you've yet to have made it through the door. Now, Jesus said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's knocking on your door. And if you come and open the door, I'll come, he said in Revelation, I'll come into you and sup with you and you with me. He, he wants to have relationship with us, but we've got to come to the place where we realize, hey, he is the Lord of my life. I want him to be in charge. Who's in charge? Come on, really, come on. My wife says I'm 61 and 62. Maybe I'm, maybe I can, come on, let's just, let me just be honest with you. I'm too, too old to beat around the bush here with you. Hey, who's in charge? Why are you here this morning? Because of some religious duty? Or are you searching for Jesus Christ who's the only way to heaven? He said, I'm the door. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus says, Lord, And here it gets to the Easter message. If you confess with your mouth, listen, Jesus says, Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. Today, on Easter Sunday, Resurrection Day, He wants to move you from fear and question mark to a place of faith in Him where you trust His person and what He did for you, where He trusts that He has a place for you, where you trust that if you died today, you would go straight into the presence of God. You trust His promise of peace. You trust his promise of his spirit. You trust the promise that he's going to come back and get you. And my friend, he will keep his promises. Well, you trust that you have a place. You have the power. How do you get there? By walking the path of Calvary. Who's in charge? This morning, I want us to bow our heads, close our eyes, and I want want you to be honest with God and honest with yourself today, and just think about who's in charge of my life. Have I allowed Jesus to have his way in my life? Listen, he has a plan for your life, and it's peace and joy. It's good, not evil. Some of you here today may be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Jesus, the resurrected Christ, wants to walk into your life and speak peace. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I just need to know that I know that I know him. That if I died today, I know I would go to heaven and be with him. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I just don't know. There's a question mark and a fear about my future. There's an insecurity about eternity that I need to deal with today. 
If that's you this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you can say, Pastor, that's me. I just want to put my trust in the person so I can have confidence that there's a place for me in heaven. If that's you today, lift your hand wherever you are. I want to pray with you. I'll not embarrass you. I'll not, I'll not parade you around, but heaven's watching. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, pray for me. I just want to know that I know that I know him. Lift your hand wherever you are. Amen. If you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I know I've invited him into my heart. I know I've, 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 you may have walked an aisle. You may have at some point had a real experience with Christ. But when I ask you the question, who's in charge, there was a question mark came up. And if you're here today and you can say, Pastor, I just want to make a fresh commitment to my Lord Jesus Christ that he would be the Lord and the leader of my life. If that's you today and you can say, Pastor, I know I'm a child of God, but I have not walked at a place of trust. And as a result, I'm lacking peace. I'm lacking all those things and I'm, I'm, I'm missing out on the promises of God. If that's you today and you can say, Pastor, today, on Resurrection Day, I want to recommit my life to let Jesus Christ be the Lord and the leader of my life. If that's you, wherever you are, lift your hand. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to pray together. We're going to ask the Lord to uh, come into our hearts. It's right at noon. I'm about to let you go. But I want us all to pray together, out loud together, one and all. There may be those here who need to make a commitment to Christ and certainly many who need to recommit our lives to Christ. Let's pray this prayer together out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I confess you as the Lord and the leader of my life. I yield myself to your Lordship. Forgive me, Lord, for following after other gods, for following after other things. I return to you today. And I invite you into my heart and life. Once again, I trust you. I trust your path that you died for me, that you rose again so I could have new life. I believe that today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's give the resurrected.